0: Artist Praxis Podcast, where artists make meaning of their art making. And welcome to the second season of Artist Praxis podcast. I am Deborah fatsion I'm an artist and art historian. And in my academic work, I research creativity and theory for artists. I've been working with artists for more than 15 years, writing about art and teaching at universities. I've always seen myself as an artist too. But I started to intentionally build my work as an artist in 2017 when I went through what I call a creative recovery. That's when I integrated my ideas and my material life in the true sense of praxis. I created this podcast to connect with other artists and to bring to you inspiration from the creative process of contemporary artists. If you, like me, want to continue expanding your creativity and imagination by learning with other artists, you've come to the right place. In the second season, I'm hosting the episodes by myself, but I want to acknowledge my partner in creating the podcast, the amazing artist Sara Riagada, who shares the podcast with me in the first season. In each episode, we have one interview in which the artist talks about the making of one recent artwork. The interview starts with the artist describing their work and ends with a question about a book or text that impacted their creative process. At the core of it, we have a conversation about everything that artists work with, from materials to thoughts, feelings to tools, references to intuition. In today's episode, I talk with artist Manuela Gonzalez, who is a Miami-based artist raised in Medellin, Colombia. She has a BFA in painting from Rhode Island School of Design and an MFA in painting and printmaking from Yale University. Through the exploration of multiple materials, techniques, and mediums, Gonzalez's studio practice has developed from closely examining the visual language of textiles as they relate to modern and contemporary abstraction. You can find links to González's work and to the podcast in our show notes. I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: So the piece, when you're looking at the photograph or when you're looking at the artwork from far away in a space, it looks like a rectangular quilt made with a triangular pattern. There's um, around seven triangles per row and there's four rows uh, vertically. Uh, The triangles are all floral patterns. Each one is different than the other. Uh, Some of those triangles uh, have florals that are pink and purple and green. Some of those triangles have florals that are more ochres and greens and browns and oranges. But the main difference between them and what kind of creates um, a boundary between them Besides the color is also the light. Some of the triangles, when you're looking at them, seem really bright. They're uh, almost kind of like transparent where the, the paint is, is really clear. And then some of the triangles, because of the way I paint painted them, actually read more like shadows of the other ones. And that's because the background for them is like a slightly gray or white or a different surface that then I paint on top of a, in reference to the lighter triangles. So. Like I said, from far away, it reads like a quilt and it reads just like a straight up quilt. But what happens when you look at close up photographs or you look at the work in person is you realize that you're actually looking at an assemblage. You start to notice a lot of different types of textures on the surface. And most of those textures are different kinds of pieces of um, household items, such as blankets, quilts. Towels, bath mats, uh, things that are soft but that are very, very textured. And they're layered kind of on top of each other. They're almost hanging from the canvas and draping down on top of the other uh, to create almost like the effect of a shag rug, but with much thicker pieces. All of those pieces of fabric get kind of collaged together and assembled. Then I paint over the entire surface with white gesso, and then the patterns get painted by hand on top. So what you're looking at is you know, this object that creates the illusion of a textile and is made out of textiles, but that ultimately is a painting of a quilt or is a painting referencing a quilt. And in this piece, uh, I'm using a triangle as kind of like the unit, but often I use different kinds of geometric shapes to kind of reference a grid. And I'm thinking a lot about uh, geometric abstraction here and the unit of the triangle, of the square, of the rectangle as a way of composing. But you know, there's the obvious different, difference here that I'm not painting on top of a traditional canvas and that I'm also filling these, these shapes with, with floral patterns in this case, but any kind of pattern that I decide to paint on top. Um, and I'd like to describe something about those patterns because if you grew up in the '90s, like I did, a lot of these patterns are going to feel really familiar to you because they're the types of patterns that we would see, you know, in, in couches, in wallpaper, in rugs, in 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 the home when we in in the early '90s, late '80s, and. That's what I'm referencing. A lot of these patterns that are painted in this quilt are patterns that I am sourcing from family photographs, that I am sourcing from, you know, from memory patterns that I find that remind me of that wallpaper, of that couch, of that blouse, that maybe someone in my family owned, that I grew up around, that I used as a kid. So there's kind of like this um, play between... Um, you know, reference to, to, to the home, to my home specifically, but then there's also this kind of like formal play that's happening between the materials and the paint and, you know, like the creation of the surface that I'm using as a canvas and the way that that interacts with the paint.
0: Wow. Manuel, well, I love this description because it gives us so many of the elements that we can see, but also so much of what we could not see right away. Um, And uh, I actually wanted to begin with, given that there are so many uh, different things happening at the same time in this creative process, um, when you started describing, you started describing by the seven triangles in a row, and that uh, sounded to me so specific, and I'm wondering if in your creative process, you start through that structure, and then you move on to the Patterns, or if you start with an idea of how it should look at the end, could you describe to me how do you begin uh, to create such a complex (laughs) uh, artwork?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, I I think about that. You know, when I, I started painting in undergrad, and one of the first things they teach you is, you know, that you have to you spend this time building a stretcher and stretching your canvas and preparing it. And for me, I'm not stretching anything, right, but I am creating a surface that like has a lot of labor and time and attention that's like invested in it. So what I actually start with is basically the same way is I, you know, to go away from the beginning, I I source all these fabrics, either from things that I'm discarding myself, that things from my home that get holes in them that are, you know, falling apart, things that are no longer in use. But I also go to thrift stores and source a lot of these like items and objects that I'm going to use to create my surfaces. And then I make them all differently. I, I don't repeat the same process. Like sometimes I will make my surfaces in a way that is um, is more is more closely connected to the way, for example, like a quilt would be made where I take different pieces of fabric and sew them together. Sometimes I will kind of like weave the fabrics into the canvas. Sometimes I will create more of like a woven structure overall. Um, so I, I really like to experiment and play with the way that that surface is created and using kind of different sewing or, or textile making techniques. And uh, I think about that as a canvas activation. I think about it as kind of like de that space that I'm working on, right? Um, partly because one of the things that I'm really interested in my work is the way that, like, how much, like, the history of Western painting owes to textile practices. So, um, you know, really just pay a lot of attention to the surface that I'm making, and to pay attention or alter it in a way that gets people who are looking at the work to think about that surface in a different way, especially when you're coming uh, up close to it. So, In this piece, for example, you know, I cut sort of long strips that were about four inches wide by eight inches long of different uh, materials and sort of put these like um, cuts into the canvas and sort of looped to the pre-cut pieces of different materials through it. And then once that was done, I prepared the surface. I usually try to not gesso it too much, but I like to prime it in some way because the way... That I treat the object, the material, the fabric uh, really ends up affecting the way the paint looks. And I'm really interested in that dynamic. So, um, you know, often because I'm sorting my fabrics, I don't know what the paint is going to do on top of it. I don't know what that's, what, you know, if it's going to work. And sometimes I'm not happy with, you know, how the brush stroke interacts with the surface and I will gesso it again. So it's almost like, um, It's a a very layered process and layers of different thicknesses throughout the painting, kind of depending on how long it takes me to sort of figure out that surface. So, um, you know, after I have primed it, then I start sort of like with the painting and the same way that you would, you know, work with an abstract painting of any, any type, right, where you're figuring out, you know, composition, you're figuring out color relationships and you are going to keep going until it feels right to you, which is a very intuitive process. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do, the one thing that I do have in mind from the beginning is sort of like what unit I'm going to use, because I do like for there to be a repetition. And in this case, the unit is a triangle. But like I mentioned before, sometimes, you know, my unit is a rectangle, a square, something that's not geometric. So You know, that does change, and I like to give myself that parameter because that's sort of also a way in which I reference the process of quilting and fabric making, right? There's always sort of this, like, structure that you're working within and experimenting within.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm thinking here about this relationship between what is already in the fabric that you're sourcing. And you're really looking here in this fabric for this texture much more than anything that if the fabric already has a pattern in it, right? And then um, the relationship between that and then the patterns that you choose to put on top of the painting, uh, if there is any kind of uh, interplay that ends up happening between these Beginning of sourcing the materials and how you will think about even also the geometric shapes and uh, these uh, final images, let's say, of the patterns uh, that you're bringing in. So, uh, I guess what my question is how uh, or if there is any connection between what was before in this uh, fabric that you're using and what you're going to have at the end in terms of uh, the visual. Work of the patterns?
1: Um, That's a a really important question for the work. And I often actually only source patterns that are solid. I don't use anything that has a pattern in it already, just because for me, that act of kind of replicating that pattern and painting them and spending time looking at it is really important. It's uh, this sort of like homage to the labor of the people who are making those fabrics that I'm using. It's uh, an homage. To, you know, just like taking this time to pay attention to this pattern that somebody, an anonymous person designed and we all have keep around in our day to day lives, but we're not often giving it much thought. Right. Um, So it's kind of like for me, it is like a way to connect to this lineage of other people who have made these objects that I'm working with in the studio, but also like a way to connect to this process of making that I'm referencing, which is kind of like a process of like attention and repetition and, and slowing down. Um, and also because it allows me to really only use patterns that feel like they're very significant to me and personal to me. Um, so I do um, pick sometimes fabrics that are different colors other than white and gray or whatever, you know, surface I'm, I'm choosing or, or value I'm choosing to start my painting from. And that in this painting it didn't happen as much or you can't see it as much uh, from the documentation but often that color of the original textile does bleed through and interact sort of like with my painting and those are some of my favorite moments uh, because it really it calls attention to the process of the pieces and Uh, It calls attention to the materials that I'm using, and that's really important to me. When you are kind of standing in front of it, the piece slows you down enough that you're taking the time to think about that process and about those objects that I'm using in the work.
0: Another point that I just wanted to bring from your description of the painting is, is it right to call it a painting, simply a painting for you? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, is the, the colors, right? Uh, and how now you mentioned how much you like when the colors come through. Um, and you, you mentioned how some of the triangles have like this brighter tones. And I when I look at the piece, uh, that for me is very important, how my eyes go deeper and sometimes go back with the color. Um, and uh, I just want to hear more about your uh, relationship with color and your relationship with uh, making the decisions uh, of which colors and when to bring more of this brightness uh, and how is that uh, also informing this because my next question is going to be about painting. So I wanted to know more about that in relation to your thinking about painting uh, specifically.
1: Yeah. So th- that's kind of, a, 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 I'll answer th- the different parts, but the first one is, you know, like um, some of some of the triangles are really bright and some of them are darker and that does create this pictorial depth. Right. Which is sort of like what you're describing. And to me, that's sort of like a little nod to this like observational illusionistic painterly space. Uh, and that is very subtle. Like you might look at the work and not even think about that because quilts actually do that really well, too. Like when you look at, you know, like some of uh, some, some traditional American quilts, some of these Ben's quilts, for example, there is a lot of sort of uh, space that's created just through like the arrangement of different color but the way that I'm doing it here is not so much through the choosing of different patterns that have like different inherent sort of value but I'm doing it through actually painting the same pattern in different shades of of itself Um, so if you look closely at the painting or you kind of slow down to to look at that part of it you will realize that there is sort of this like moment of like representational painting going on it's almost uh like a moment where the the artwork becomes a little bit more like a still life right sort of painting the shadow version and the light version of the same thing but also you know using a very abstract sort of structure to work with that and the other thing that you asked which is such a great question and very important to me is like you were asking how how i choose the patterns or the colors i think you were saying and This has actually been very like a a very interesting part of my process because I'm sourcing. One of the things that I'm trying to do is sort of quote uh, aesthetic decisions made by women in my family when I was growing up. I like to think about that as my early aesthetic education. So a lot of these patterns are, you know, of course, there's like some sort of connection I have to them because I'm choosing them. But sometimes I look at my paintings and I like you know the color isn't exactly color that maybe I would choose to like dress myself or to even like you know they're maybe not patterns that I would put in my home, but I'm almost like making this decision to use somebody else's aesthetic and imbuing that in my work because it's uh you know like I was talking about before with nostalgia and referencing. Like my my early childhood, I'm trying to sort of like make those choices based on that, more than based on kind of like colors I would pick or aesthetic choices that I would make. Um, so I end up with like a lot of a lot more maybe pink and purple that I would maybe choose on my own. Um, but I you know the like I feel very connected to them in a more emotional level, and um, that is something that I end up feeling really good about.
0: Oh, that, that's so interesting because it's um, in your creative process you allow for space um, for for choosing things that not necessarily what are what you like <laughs> or what you would uh, immediately uh, decide for yourself. Instead, yeah. it comes from this kind of uh, investigation. Uh, towards the past and just accepting that uh, those patterns were there, therefore they have an importance uh, in your own aesthetic uh, life nowadays. Let's say, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's very interesting. Um, and I'm I'm also kind of uh, and 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 here is where I wanted to go uh, towards painting because uh, you're making a kind of a transition from the quilting towards painting. Let's say like that. And you decide to paint uh, then the patterns instead of uh, finding the textile that would already have the patterns in them and use those textiles, right? So you bring here this, you use the the term illusionistic at some point, um, aspect of painting. And as a tradition really, right? There is a historic aspect here of how we understand painting and how we understand this uh, capacity of painting for creating uh, this visual illusion. So I wanted to understand better, why is that important for you? Why is it important to paint and create this illusion? Uh, And perhaps that's connected with your notion, notion of nostalgia. I don't know. I just wanted to bring that on.
1: I mean, I think for me, like a a lot of my motivation for making this work is thinking about. So I'll I'll tell you a little bit of like personal background that connects to that idea. So I am originally from Colombia. I grew up in Colombia and I immigrated to the U.S. when I was a teenager Around 15, and I was really lucky that basically right as soon as I immigrated, I started going to an arts high school, and that put me kind of like in a path for like a very formal training in in uh, in painting and art. And I found that a lot of what was happening is I was sort of um, being asked to abandon this aesthetic that I came with to adapt to this kind of uh, contemporary aesthetic of art that I was learning about and learning to incorporate and. After a while, that became really disjointed. And in this uh, body of work, right, in this like kind of iteration of my work, I was thinking a lot about how to integrate, right, this kind of like tradition of Western painting that I've been uh, trained within with was, like I said, my early aesthetic education, which I haven't mentioned this yet, but it, it wasn't just sort of like the objects that my mom and grandma chose for home. But I come from a family. My grandma was a seamstress. She uh made dresses for a living when I was growing up. Um a lot of different women in my family had some sort of like craft as a as a way of um you know making a living. And those were the first thing like, those were the first ways in which I uh got to think about my own aesthetic and my own visual expression. So I, I think that got really got me thinking about those same ideas, like in more universal terms and thinking about what. You know, Western, uh, the history of Western paintings, specifically abstraction, owes to these traditions of textiles in the prehistory. And just in ways as simple as that, we still use a piece of woven fabric to make paintings on top of, right? But what did it take to get to this point where we could so like have that so easily accessible? It took innovation for thousands and thousands of years, mostly from women, to develop the surface that we take for granted today um you know that's not even considering sort of like the formal um uh you know the, the what we owe formally to that textile history as as um painters within a western tradition so it's a very long answer to your question but basically for me like that painting is sort of like claiming the space You know, making them paintings is a way of claiming kind of like the connection between between these two and claiming this history of textiles as being a part of this history of of Western painting, even though like we kind of think about it as something so separate. Uh, but for me, it's sort of, um, you know, like a reference to that and a way um, to reflect on on the connections between those two histories. Does that make sense?
0: <laughs> it does. Yes, absolutely. I love that answer. And uh, it makes me think about the question that I wanted to ask you about knowing when the work is done. Because when I'm, I'm looking at the painting, um, I'm very drawn also to the bottom of it especially where you have all these hanging pieces that give a sense of um, perhaps continuation, but it also gives this idea that is very different from the quilt. <laughs> because for me, the quilt is such a precise work, right? And it's always so well finished and so well sold, right? You, you really have yeah. to finish it so well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it gives me also a little bit of this sense of improvisation, perhaps, Uh, So I wanted to ask you when and how do you decide that your painting is finished? And I guess I I always like to connect with what you've been saying, because when you're talking about this continuation of a history, right? And uh, of painting being part also of this history of the textiles. um, So I'm just wondering about your own process when you are deciding that the work is done. How do you arrive at that?
1: To be honest, it's so different every time and it's so intuitive. Um, You know, there's some pieces that I work on for a very short amount of time and they feel resolved to me. And there's other ones that I like. This painting actually is a painting that I worked on for a really long time and it just like wasn't quite like, you know, resolving itself. It wasn't quite working. So um, it's hard to exactly explain when they feel done to me but there's something about just uh, like the surface feeling kind of integrated with the materials right there's um, I try to find as much range in the way that things are painted as possible as much range in terms of value and depth as I can Um, but yeah it's something that's sort of like about like piece to piece, what I'm trying to kind of consider, think about, explore when I feel like I've gotten, because there's pieces where I've gotten to a point where I'm still not fully satisfied, but it feels like I just need to stop and let it be what, what it is. And often I will come back to that a few months later and there are pieces that I learned something from and pieces that I do like now. But sometimes I guess when I'm pushing certain ideas or trying out something new, it surprises me in a way where it takes my my mind a little bit of time to catch up with that process. Uh, And then you were asking about, uh, yeah, the little pieces sort of dangling off the bottom. And yeah, that's sort of like something else, like what I was describing with like painting the shadow version and the light version of a pattern. It's sort of like little clues that I sort of like to leave in the painting to pull you in, to examine things a little bit more closely, to think about, you know, the materials, because that's sort of one of the places where you can see the most clearly what you're looking at without coming up so close. You're seeing these tassels sort of dangling off the bottom, which I, I didn't talk about this in the description, but that's very recognizable as part of a textile. It's very recognizable as part of, you know, like a blanket, a curtain, what whatever it is that, you know, comes to mind for you. Um, but I often have this, I don't know if I would call it an issue, but this often happens to me where people just think that these are made with like found fabrics assembled together and they're surprised when they come up close and and see how the pieces are actually made and what the process is. And I don't mind that. I, I don't mind that it's sort of like a more subtle or slow reveal but these are sort of like the little clues that I like to leave in there that maybe like invite you to examine the work a little bit more closely.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Manuel, we are arriving at the end of our interview. And uh, in this season, I'm asking all the artists to tell me if there was any book or any reading that impacted the creative process of this work?
1: Yeah, um, so there's a book that I read a couple of years ago um, by Elizabeth Whelan Barber called Women's Work. And it's like uh, kind of thinking about women's labor since prehistory, specifically focusing on textiles and talking about the reasons why we don't know as much about that history as we would like. And partly it's just because of uh, the way textiles just like function, you know, they, they disintegrate with time. We use them so much that they're not like a piece of clay or a piece of metal. So we just don't have a lot of information about who those visual ancestors were for us, right? Because we don't have like an object that we can put in a museum. But something that really impacted me was in that book, she's talking about this textile that got preserved in a cave in uh, Northern Europe because of salt, it was in a salt mine, and it was—it's a three thousand-year-old piece of fabric that's a plaid. So uh, to me, that I just was like, what? You know, I think about plaid as something so modern, right? But this is, this is these are and and to arrive at a plaid, you have to have gone through so much development in in terms of this technology and have been experimenting with textile making for so long. So that just got me so excited and uh, really inspired me to keep uh, digging through that history and investigating, um, you know, that history of textiles and thinking about how that connects with my personal history. So that book, I often still go back and reread it and think about it because, uh, you know, there's so many little gems of information in that book that are really relevant to my practice.
0: Yeah, it's so beautiful how when we learn more about history and we notice how we are participating in such a strong and long history, uh, everything that we are making gains um, a brighter value. Let's say gains like more importance. Uh, I I really love that uh, that reference for that book.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: thank you so much, Manuela.
1: No problem. Thank you so much.
0: This season of Artist Praxis podcast is created by Deborah fatshion Grodzki. Original music by André javi If you enjoyed the interview, leave us a review and share this episode with a friend. That will help us reach a broader audience. If you are an artist and would like to be interviewed, or if you would like more information about the podcast, please visit artistpraxis.com.